You're listening to Passion Pod 13 with the Blackout Studio. The Blackout Studio is kind of a collective. You know, I have this very distinctive style of, of image making, but a lot of the, the content and stuff I shoot is with other people. And that's how I kind of started off originally with people like, you know, you should shoot this and da da da. So, yeah, it is a collective in that kind of sense. That it's other people working with myself, but it's based around a very distinctive and look and feel things. So take me way, way back. How did you start doing photography? Well, I studied uh, graphic design and photography at uni. The more the course went on, my portfolio got less and less graphic design based. And then it kind of got to a point where I had to start turning photography projects into graphics in order to have a degree. And so yeah, and I had a kind of amazing photography department who were just unbelievably nice and, you know, got their way to kind of suggest and help me because I, I never really saw eye to eye with my graphic design department. So I kind of picked up there and then the projects that were kind of more uh, conceptual based, which was around graphic design, um, led themselves to photography. So my work kind of started coming a bit more, it wasn't just kind of straight photographs. I had this, this idea that you do a, an art based course, you have a degree show, which your whole world is a be all end all or how it goes. Every single penny you've ever had or been given over birthdays goes towards this bloody show and basically your family turn up, a few people else turn up who want a free drink and you kind of sit there for two weeks waiting for your phone email you don't want to go off to the pub in case your phone rings. So I got this one call by this one person and I thought that was it and it wasn't quite like that way. But um, So I started kind of assisting and going down the photographic route um, purely as a kind of way of, you know, making money. And So I started assisting interior photographers, a few fashion photographers, you know, everything and anything at the time. How did you get hold um, of those people? Well, there was one guy I'd done one job with when I was at university and gone really well and it just happened that I did a job with him and his other assistant and they fell out on that job or the job after. And I was basically offered his job, completely like, so I started working for him. And that kind of got me into photography, but it was, you know, it was shooting interiors and, and, and you know, it wasn't... It was amazing kind of seeing how stuff works. But you and didn't yeah. feel you were getting an outlet for your... Well, at the time I did. I mean, I was working, you know, I was going on shoots and getting paid to do it. I was living the dream. But yeah, it wasn't... I don't know. It took me a long time to realise where I kind of fitted into the large photographic... What, in the sense of that you were going to be able to do this as a career, do you think? Yeah, I think, yeah, I, I think probably commercial photography, if you want to shoot stuff on a big commercial sense, I think you, I think you'd probably know that pretty quick. Whereas I think the art kind of side of things is something that you do, but you don't, as a person, know how it is you're going to, you know, like, to wake up and know that your electricity bill is paid from your art. It's not something you ever kind of think is going to happen. But also, I think so much of it is learnt from the development of it. Completely. Basically, the transition between assisting and doing stuff for other photographers and that element of where you decide, you know, I do not want to work for someone else, you know, in the nicest way. Kind of came when I was working for a fashion photographer uh, in India. He has his magazine and he'd seen my work through someone else. Anyway came to assisting this guy and I went to India probably five, six times with him. I have no interest in doing fashion but the stuff I learned from going there, the kind of the colours we saw, his way of, of seeing things, you know, he knew my style of work, introduced me to a lot of, you know, new things that I hadn't seen. You couldn't ask for that kind of stuff. Kind of the second time I ever met him I was on a plane for 11 very long hours um, and you kind of, you know, start talking and talking about that kind of share the same kind of sense of thing. But yeah, it kind of took me under his wing and was kind of very supportive. It kind of helped me sell a bit of work to a friend of his, which at the time was the biggest amount I'd ever sold. And again, all these things kind of just got like a rolling stone. I just got more and more and more confident. And then moved into a studio, um, which is kind of where we're sitting now. But um, So now, this is quite hmm. a big thing then for you to have your... I mean, this is the first studio you've had. But yeah, first studio you've had. I mean, we always borrowed studios to kind of shoot stuff in. But, you know, the kind of editing process, which is just a nice 
nightmare when we shoot loads and loads of stuff. And yeah, so that kind of Blue Peter style element, you know, you're working from home and moving stuff off your bed so you can put prints out, that kind of thing. At the time, you know, it's broad, but it's just okay, you have that, loses that kind of edge. So do you think you get to a stage where that kind of just becomes the next step? Well, I guess it's kind of the, you got more ambitious in the things we're going to shoot. I mean, it starts off the first thing I shot with chalks. Oh, wow. Um, which is a series we did and went into, uh, is exhibited at the moment in Talisman, which is kind of art deco, very beautiful furniture shop. And just the size of the prints, we never got above a certain size, purely because it's in my flat, it's on a wall, you're sizing them up. And then we had these massive, well, they asked for a kind of a similar size of work, these huge, huge prints. But I never saw them. They were artworked up in the flat, and, um, but I never saw them until they were delivered by the printer. But so that yeah. ownership of it, for not having seen it, you know, part yeah. of what you're doing is you want to be able to see the whole process through slightly. And... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's also like kind of working with the printers and stuff, you're constantly there, like, from, you know, doing test prints and, and colours and that. In this particular series, we shot this very red chalk that is a nightmare to produce in an inkjet print. It's very hard to get. And my printer at the time was in, I was in Parsons Green. Uh, and you're kind of travelling these huge things to go and pick up a print, pick up a tiny test strip, uh, and then it's come back. It's, it's, well, it's just, yeah, the creative process kind of gets lost, you know, it's more about having to get there two hours and, you know, sort it, and then you make a decision there because you don't want to come back and test it or something like that. The printer is, is, you know, it's obviously massively important and I've got a really good relationship with them. And That's been built up over time. It is, yeah. And at the beginning, I, you know, my first exhibition or first, whatever you call it, commission, I guess, from this gallery and, and obviously they knew of them and, you know, were very supportive and, and were really kind of kind and, and, yeah, I've stuck with them and used them and, and you know, this guy worked specifically with my printing technique um, and kind of knows what I can kind of can't produce in colours and, you know, very helpful. In, so now you're set yeah. up doing... You know, you've got your base and you've now got somewhere where you can just be a bit more independent, I guess. Yeah, and like, I mean, we're shooting a, a, I think a load of candy for us, so like, the idea of coming into the thing and having a whole room full of candy would never, like, these things wouldn't happen. And having a base for all your kind of inspiration magazines and your cutouts and you'd be able to put kind of stick prints over and that in itself, being able to stand back and see your own work is a luxury. And probably massively yeah. important. It is, yeah, it is important. It's kind of, yeah, it's important to see stuff as other people would. What do you take your inspiration from? The first series I shot was kind of after uni. I used to spend a lot of time in the pub. So I used to start collecting snooker chalks. I was obsessed by all the different chalks. I was having ages trying to, trying to photograph them. They never quite looked right. And anyway, started developing the way they were shot. And uh, I don't know, I just kind of stuck out with it. And then managed to kind of nail the way that they were shot. And, and it's all kind of based on texture and... And now the snooker chalk that I'd seen before it looked completely different. I mean, they look like moons. Well, so um, I'd never. I mean, I didn't know that was chalk. I, would, yeah, I had no yeah. idea. Well, yeah. So, that, I mean, that's that kind of element of seeing something differently and being able to shoot something and it to look completely different. From something quite ordinary. From something quite ordinary. Seeing things that you see every day, you might use every day. There's a talent in making enhancing things. The gobstopper is another thing that was taken from that. That's kind of that amazingly beautiful visual element or something it, yeah it's just, just something nice that passes you by but kind of enhanced and shot and on a big print you know it's, it's, it's but there's also recognition of something oh my god that's a da 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 it's making people think and stop I guess yeah. and that's really exciting yeah and I think, I think the same thing with, with, with photography is that you know it is an object like a, like a painting or an illustration or a thing you, know, you can create an animal with 15 heads but a photograph is a different element you know, you know it has to be something when you first started out, the photography was what you were doing to earn money. And yeah, I assist. I think you kind of get to a point where you assist and you don't have enough work and you get frustrated. And then you get lots of work and then you get frustrated that you're assisting too much and you can't do your own work and there's never this kind of happy medium. How did you deal with that? 
Badly. It's horrible. Uh, <laughs> if you meet someone that can deal with it well, do yeah. let me know. Well, yeah, exactly. But it, it is. It's that, it's that knowing when to stop moment. You decide you're going to stop and the phone rings, you know, can you come and help? And you're like, no, I can't. Um, I'm doing my own thing. But my own thing isn't necessarily going to make money tomorrow, whereas this job is. I, I certainly think that working in, in, in the commercial kind of photography, and I've shot things from interiors to kind of cutouts and, and done lots of stuff. That kind of way wasn't something that if I was... If I could map my own path, I wouldn't have chosen. I would have gone straight to to go. But you know, but I picked up things on the way. Like you know, I've seen things by being within uh, the industry. You can only learn. Yeah, you if it's not learn, necessarily yeah. doing what the exact thing that you're wanting. Exactly, and I think a lot of people have this this notion of you know stick true to their word and they do things and they want to you know they don't want to compromise by having to photograph something rubbish because but no one's got to where they have by you know starting their own massive collection. So, so recently, the whole transition of that. No one do stuff and they're moving into the studio. From there, literally from the day we moved in, um, I'm not sure whether it's like a, um, a thing you give out or whatever it is, but it kind of stuff started rolling. I got my first commission. I've been commissioned at the moment to do a, a kind of double muse um, large house in Knightsbridge, which is um, scary beyond belief, but it's amazing. But um, yes, yeah, so we haven't like, produced a lot of work, and, and I think a lot of our work, obviously, it's shot purely on black. You have this kind of very. Um, Things stand out when they're lit beautifully. It's it's they almost come three dimensional. There's nothing around them. There's no there's no frames to a picture. So kind of working in, in interiors is, is is magic. You know it's it's great when you kind of produce certain work which goes in magazines. It's it's viewed differently when you produce art and you have a say where it's going. So um, what are, what other things have you got going on at the moment? So you've got that which is obviously probably going to take up quite a bit of time. Yeah, um, and kind of through our prints, we've been asked to do an auction for Getty. Uh, to donate one of our prints, which is going to be um, again amazing, getting really good. That's really nice, and so yeah, busy. it's kind of getting, yeah. So I mean, again, kind of it's the whole networking side of things. Um, so, what do you reckon your biggest challenge has been? Biggest challenge has been I could happily produce artwork until the cows come home. Anyone who has a kind of art-led thing inside them struggles to a promote themselves and sell themselves, and that just does not come actually. You're not there to sell the work; it should sell itself. And I think that's lodged in the back of most artists' minds. So when you kind of go into the commercial world where people aren't necessarily asking you to, to sell your work, it's to sell yourself. It's not something that A, you've ever done, and B, comes actually, and it's awkward. You know, you, but you have to have it. People want to know who's behind work. You know, and it's, so that's been a massive struggle. Because things take a long time to produce. You know, and then the other day someone's asking if you had a new work, and it's like, you know, producing new work is one thing, but then it's kind of, you know, it's being in a creative kind of mind is it's not something you flick on and off you can't you know going and replying to an email is very different to kind of come out with, with ideas and stuff so it's kind of yeah it, it, it's it's crossing the two together and being it's the balance thing again earning money and the doing what you want yeah yeah it's yeah it's this constant juggling of balance sitting and making work is, is what comes naturally it's the other thing that doesn't come to naturally you know I'm getting better and, and do, you think, do you think it's practice yeah I guess it's practice and deep end like being put in some very you know terrifying situations and you just want to be anywhere else but afterwards you're like oh my god you know you, that, you won't feel that unless you kind of do that so yeah kind of talking to these very highly powered people which is you know terrifying and showing your work and Christmas we had someone from the Financial Times I had to go take to their building and had a ginormous meeting room and all the works put out a guy who wasn't wearing a suit and brightly cut images attracts a lot of people so you get all these questions and suddenly I'm in a boardroom getting quizzed by people wanting to know all this work and I was like where did this come from? <laughs> that is so brilliant that image is just brilliant it's <laughs> an amazing experience yeah so, no I mean 
And at the time, I'd shot Fishflies kind of series. I'd shot one, I think, I had as a kind of dem. I don't know. I must have had it in my portfolio if they'd seen it. Anyway, the, the lady who I was originally there to see happened to be an absolute fishing nut and bought the print off me. And she put me in touch with this guy in Norway who makes handmade flies. Put me in touch with this guy, uh, and now I'm, he's, we're shooting a series of them. He's making some flies that we're going to shoot. This is, again, research, looking into this stuff, like... You know, the flies they use and, and, and all different ones mean different things they catch different fish to me they're brightly coloured and they look fantastic and I want to shoot them but that I'm getting my teeth massively stuck into still rather cooked on a plate for me but um, yeah but I'm getting massively kind of into it I think um, it's so brilliant about that it's like who'd have thought it from one picture yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. you're talking to the expert maker of fly fishing things yeah, in yeah, Norway yeah, yeah. like that just is such the best example of Speaking yeah. to people, putting it out there, yeah, and you yeah, just yeah. have no idea what can come back. Oh, completely. I mean, walking into a, a building to go and sell a print and come out with, A, being quizzed by half of them in a boardroom, and, you know, a contact to a guy who makes beautiful fishing flies. And yes, I mean, that's why the whole collaborative thing comes out, which I've done the series Daughter of Wind with artist Gardner, a friend of mine. We have very different styles, we to fine artists, producers, very detailed paintings. But, you know, it's still this kind of, it's like speaking to a food, it's sort of appreciation of beautiful things. But for you, that must be what it fuels you. Yeah, it is, yeah. It's, it's like having a, um, a final cog that kind of gets the whole thing, whole kind of machine working. And, you know, and, and technical stuff that you can pick up. And to be honest, you know, monkey, monkeys can learn what looks good and, you know, how glass works with the mounting and the glues and all that kind of stuff. But it's the, the beginning process, which is where all the magic happens, and you can't guarantee that. But being able to kind of put in your input to what someone else and the whole thing working um, is amazing. Do you have any advice for anyone if they were thinking about setting up on their own or stuff that you wish someone had told you? You know, everyone is influenced by people. People are terrified of looking like they're copying or, you know, there's a whole kind of thing that it's been done before. Well, you know, as everyone says, things have been done before, but it's putting A, your stamp on it or B, doing it better. But yeah, I think a style is, is important. If someone can look at something and, and say it's by you, I think that's, that's an amazing thing. It's, it's a, um, something you can't force, something you can't work on. You, you know, going and taking, taking your grand washing, you never know what's going to come out of it. It's such random things happen, you know, and, and you might see an amazing location you want to shoot in. So yeah, anyone who's passionate about stuff makes things happen if they want to make it happen. Regardless where they have to live in a cardboard box for two weeks or live in their friend's bathroom you know you kind of if you're doing that you know that's that shows your passion and you'll probably pretty much do it I guess you've been listening to Passion Pod 13 with the Blackout Studio